The Fanfic Writers Craft is a podcast that discusses all things fanfiction with a focus on the art and science of writing for the enjoyment of fan communities. My name is Joe, aka Publi Sand, and I'll be your host for the next hour or so. My co-host, Lani, writes online under the name Copper Dust. You'll meet her shortly. In this episode, we thought it would be fun to do a 2022 fanfiction roundup. We look back on the year that we've had, talk about our feelings about fanfiction and fandom in general, and answer some of your questions about our personal favourites. Lani tells us about the impact that the pandemic had on her writing, and Joe gets fairly emotional answering one of the asks that we received. We also talk about our plans for 2023, both for fanfic and for the podcast, and give you all a few end-of-year recommendations to take away. From the bottom of our hearts, we'd like to thank all of you for listening and engaging with this crazy project of ours, and we look forward to seeing what the new year has in store for us. Particularly, we would like to extend our thanks to the amazing writers and creators we've been lucky enough to have with us on our first season of this podcast. Venomous Barbie, Tess, Crazy But Good, Newsom, and Albaget. Lastly, just a quick word of warning. In this episode, I read out one of the comments I got this year, which mentions the topic of sexual assault. If you want to skip that, it's around the 39 minute mark and lasts about six minutes. But for now, buckle up, get yourself a nice cup of tea, and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. Hello and welcome to the Fanfic Writers Craft. This is Joe. I hope you're all doing well. We are finally at the end of the year. Yay! Um, it's the 10th of December today as we are recording, but this episode will be out on the 20th. So if you celebrate Christmas, uh, I hope you have a lovely one. How are you, Lani? What's been up? Yeah, so I'm just kind of, I guess, sort of winding down the semester. I still have two more weeks. Um, but I think I'm in a more relaxed space because I've just gotten some of the kids' major projects done, and now they're doing some drama units, which is a little bit lower stress, and really, really going to be ready for two weeks off of work. Yeah, that sounds lovely. I'm not getting any time off for Christmas, but I'm taking a week off in January uh, to go skiing, so that's going to be fun, and I'm going to France for three weeks. So yeah, I'm very much looking forward to the break as well. Are you planning to do any writing? I am definitely planning to do a lot of writing. I really want to like sit down and hammer something out or just type it gently. <laughs> yeah, that's that's perfect. Um, so today we thought we're actually not going to do any special topics or whatever. We thought it would be fun to kind of have a roundup of our year in fan fiction and in the podcast. Uh, so we're going to talk about our fix. We're going to talk about our writing, our favorite reads of the year, and of course, uh, the podcast. So as you guys may know, we officially launched the podcast on the 25th of May, which is now seven months, which is absolutely wild. Uh, We've done 14 episodes so far. So this is our 15th. And honestly, I've enjoyed every single one of them. It's wild to think that this crazy idea that I had at the beginning of the year uh, has become a real thing that people can listen to. Uh, So thank you so much, Lani, for indulging me and participating (laughs) and I really I I think it was a great idea that you had and like I probably wouldn't have come up with the idea on my own because I probably wouldn't have thought anyone wanted to like hear me speak yeah I'm not sure I'm not actually sure anyone wants to hear me speak either but (laughs) we have at least three people who have sent us messages who say they listen that is is true no I think there's more of you than that Uh, but no thank you so much and thank you guys for uh, listening it's been amazing so how has your year been fanfiction wise what are your thoughts oh my gosh it's been such a year for me in this community I would say and there have been some ups and some downs this year mm-hmm. and I think emotionally it's been something where in 2021 I had a kind of completely positive year in terms of what I experienced in this community and I was just really loving the community I was getting 
um, a sudden rush of kind of like positive feedback, not just on my writing, but just like community wise, making friends, like leaving comments on other people's work being responded to finding, you know, other people who just wanted to like talk about this stuff that we all enjoy. Mm -hmm. And like 2021 was like so much fun in that way. And even there were some people who were like there for me when I was going through like hard stuff in in real life. Um, I found 2022 was a lot more ups and downs. Mm -hmm. I saw quite a bit of kind of social breakdown in certain online communities related to Harry Potter that I felt was getting to a point of like, you know, this isn't fun anymore. And this has gone to be something Mm -hmm. where like, I can't be part of it anymore. And and I'm not just talking about one. Like, I've seen it happen several times over. And, like, I don't want to name names, but there's been a lot of stuff going on with the sort of Jilly pairing universe that's been, I think, driven multiple people out of wanting to write for that community or wanting to, maybe they're still writing, mm-hmm. but they're not wanting to discuss their work or make it public. I've also seen it happening with kind of the community in general. So, like, I was going through a lot this year around February, March, especially March, because at that time, I was dealing with some of this sort of community breakdown online that was really destroying a space that, for me, it was like a hobby space. It was like a place I went to to de-stress after, like, real life was stressful. Um, And at the same time as I was going through that, I was having, like, lots of real-life stressors added where I was seeing similar kinds of like community and behavioral breakdown going on amongst many of the like groups of kids that I worked with like professionally and in my volunteer work. And, you know, like I understood among these kids, I think missing a lot of school and the COVID-19 had a huge impact behaviorally. And it was a lot of hard work and emotional labor kind of dealing with the behaviors that we were seeing. Mm -hmm. And I think you can talk to any Anybody who works in a capacity with children will say that I think the 2021 slash 22 school year was really rough on us. But then at that same time, I was seeing quite a bit of like community breakdown in communities that had previously felt really fun online. And that that was hard. That was kind of a low for me. And I was just feeling like, Mm -hmm. is this going on everywhere? Like, has everyone forgotten like social norms? But at the same time, I saw around the summer and fall, like I kind of joined a Mm -hmm. new community as I became uh, interested in ancient Greece, which was something that like previously wasn't really something I was involved in. And I saw a really amazing community. Like, for example, I read the uh, Dancing with the Lions series by a woman named Jean Reams, who's a historian of Alexander the Great, as well as a novelist. And I made like one post saying that I had read these books and was enjoying them and a bunch of other books I was reading. And, like, the author herself on Tumblr, like, replied and was like, I'm so glad to hear you enjoyed them. And I mentioned I was going to Greece and she's, like, making recommendations for where I should go to see things that I would be interested in. And all these other people were like, welcome to the community. So that was, like, really, it was really nice to be, like, I made one post and, like, the author's personally reaching out to me to say, like, welcome. Wow, that's so cool. that's That's what you get in a small fandom, though. That's that small fandom personal touch. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, I was in small fandoms before Potter. I don't think, you know, like I've spoken about it a lot. And I, I I love Potter for different reasons. I love the community in Potter for different reasons, I think. It's very diverse. It's, there's so many people, so many different things. And I think... You know, I I really like that side of it. But at the same time, I really like small fandoms as well. Because, yeah, like, there's three people who are reading your stuff and you don't get thousands of hits. But those three people are really into it. (laughs) Like, you know, I think um, something something funny happened to me a couple of days ago. I was rewatching Silk which is a fandom that I used to be in and it's very small. It's like a BBC drama. It's a very, very small fandom. And I posted about it on Tumblr and I haven't been in this fandom for like years. And someone from back in the day responded to my posts and was like, oh, are you still there? Like, are you still... (laughs) 
are you still doing this? And it's like, I think it's so great that like, you know, it's been five or six years since I've not been in that fandom, but there's still someone on Tumblr who follows me for it. And they, they didn't like, they, you know, and, and we're both like following our, our journeys, but like in different directions. And I think, I think that's something that I really like in small fandoms as well is, you know, this, there's a lot more camaraderie, but there's also, there, to be honest, there's also drama. Like there was so much drama in The Good Wife and, and that was ridiculous and it was ridiculously small. I mean, to be fair, like if you enjoyed The Good Wife, you must love <laughs> drama that's what it is. That is true. That is very true. Um, so anyway, moving on to our main topics. Uh, so we've kind of split this episode into three sections. So we're going to talk about our fix first, then we're going to talk about other people's fix, and then we're going to talk about the podcast. So in terms of our fix, I thought it would be interesting to open on some stats. So Lani, what was your published word count this year? My published word count was... According to my rough calculations, 45,390. That's for AO3. Wow. Um, I've written a lot more creative writing stuff that isn't published, either because it's not finished or because it's original fiction, so I don't want to put it there. But that's my published mm-hmm. word count for this year, which I think is a lot less than last year. Yeah, I, for me, my published word count is seven. So at the moment, at the time of recording is 77,927 words. 49,000 of those were within castles and the rest were one-shots. I am hoping that by the time this episode comes out, either there will be a new chapter of castles out or I will be about to publish a new chapter of castles, which will probably bring my word count up like 15,000 words, I want to say. Um, so this is Joe from the future. I'm recording this on my phone because I'm currently in my parents' house and I forgot the microphone, which I often, uh, always actually record. Um, but you might not or might not know this if you read or don't read my fix, but I indeed have published the next chapter of Castles. Uh, first of all, if you do read it and if you do comment, thank you so much for the outpouring uh, support on the next chapter of Castles and the comments and everything. It's been amazing, but it has bumped up my word count. So my current word count is 96,300 words for the year which is wild. It's um, a little bit less than 4,000 words away from 100,000, which blows my mind. Um, But yeah, very happy about it. Very happy about it. Although it's kind of a testimony to the fact that I have no life to speak of. But uh, yeah, no, thank you so much. And yeah, 90 to 96,000. Um, there's like this weird part of me that's like, could I somehow put together 3,000 words or 3,700 words and I get 100,000 by the end of the year? It's currently the 19th of December. Uh, but no, I said I, ta- I was taking a break. I am taking a break. Now back to the episode. My actual, my actual writing document for Merry Men, which includes stuff I've published, chapters I've written but haven't yet published, or sections I haven't yet published, as well as my glossary of terms, as well as fragments of dialogue that I'm planning to write like the whole scene later, as well as samples of real-life dialogue that I've transcribed word for word to help me like get ideas for what the dialogue should sound like, and as well as some important statistics and reference images that I've put in is like 50,000 words. Whereas, like, what I've published online is probably closer to 20,000. So there's a lot more to come. I also have, like, a hierarchical chart that shows me the characters, their military rank, what weapon they use, who's their supervisor, what's their radio call signal. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> there's, 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 I have that. I, I have, I have, like, maps that have the instructions for, like, how to read coordinates in, like, military language of, of, like, you know, this is like pre GPS, right? So, like, I I have a lot of like reference materials that I use. Um, I have mm-hmm. nobody should get. I I recognize that like this doesn't count, but I also have a lot of stuff just in my head. It's not written <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, don't give me credit for that. That's <laughs> not fair. But um, I would say there's like a lot going on in, underneath the surface, and I also have um some other fix. Like I have one that's sort of a romantic comedy I'm writing. That's um 
not done yet, mm. but it will probably be at least 12,000 words when I publish it. That's good. That's great to hear. Yeah, I love I love how how prepared you are. Also, because you don't write chronologically, right? You write like certain snippets or whatever, and then you put everything together. Like I, I write, I would say like 80% chronologically, mm. but certain things that are really important to me, I might write the scene in advance. So like, for Merry Men, there's a scene that's very important to me that chronologically it takes place before the main plot, but in terms of when it will be revealed in the actual narrative, it will be towards the end because it's the sort of thing where mm-hmm. it's like finally you find out something you've been wondering about for a long time, and it's really key to a character. So I felt like I needed to know exactly what happened so that when I'm writing this character, I can know what's going on with his psyche and like why is he like this and so I wrote that scene as one of the earliest ones that I wrote just because I needed to understand what's going on and like what happened and I and it wasn't enough to outline I had to write the whole scene to be sure and also because I was a little Mm -hmm. bit scared this was a scene that was a bit scary to write because it's very dark and heavy and it has some stuff that I just like I don't even want to like think about kind of and I just wanted to know like before I dug myself into this story like would I be able to write this scene and so I I kind of had to do it first because mm. if I couldn't write this scene then I'm just gonna have to change his backstory but I managed to find a way to write it that felt that I felt like worked for what I was trying to do and that I would be comfortable putting out there when the time came so like that I wrote out of order I also like especially for Merriman I get ideas in the car and I kind of have I I kind of know like what the shape of the plot so sometimes I'll write a scene that takes place later because in that moment when you have that inspiration you have to get it down right away so yeah I do I do have some later scenes but like most of my writing I don't do it like that but for this one I do have quite a bit that's like from later in the story. Yeah, no, that's kind of cool. I'm not allowed to write uh, stuff that happens later because if I do that, I will never finish the story. <laughs> <laughs> if I write the scene that I want to write rather than the scene that I'm writing right now, um, I will never, I will never finish the story. So I have to. Th- my motivation is like to get to that scene. Um, so yeah. So what was your favorite fic that you wrote this year? I feel like I only wrote two things this year that are standalones, and my favorite of those is Storge, which is, like, one of my least read stories because it's in a pretty obscure fandom, but um, it's kind of the story of the relationship between Alexander the Great and Ptolemy the First Soter, who is the founder of the Ptolemaic dynasty in Egypt and who... This is complicated and gets into a bit of historiography, but was, at least according to the sources available in Roman times, was rumored to be a half-brother of Alexander and is treated within the universe of Mary Renat's fictional books as though he really is the half-brother. In real life, he probably wasn't, but we won't go into that for now. So anyway, it's kind of the story of the relationship between this younger brother who you know, gets to become king and is treated as, like, the legitimate son of the king and, you know, becomes Alexander the Great. And this older brother who's a bastard, who does not Mm -hmm. receive any attention from his father, who does not receive what you might call his birthright, but who, despite having sort of every reason to hate and resent Alexander, instead becomes one of his closest friends and his highest generals, and who we know, like, in real life, eventually founds the Ptolemaic dynasty and becomes pharaoh of Egypt. And many generations later, he's a direct ancestor of Cleopatra. So to me, this was like an uh, relationship in the books that I read that was like really interesting, and I wanted to probe it more. And it's also kind of about the death of Alexander and what that meant for everyone around him. This would make more sense if you're familiar with the story. But his death wasn't just the death of one person. It was the collapse of an entire empire it left a huge power vacuum in the Middle East and in Greece and was the cause of a massive number of wars called the Successor Wars. And there was a huge amount of violence because he left this enormous power mm-hmm. vacuum and no clear successor and just like an absolute mess behind him because he died very young. And so that that was the story I wrote that I think was my favorite. And it's very special to me because I started writing it on my phone while I was in Greece, like on a on a cruise on the Mediterranean. And then part of it I wrote sitting on a rooftop of a hotel, like gazing at the Acropolis at night. So it was like a very, very fun writing experience. 
Yeah, that's great. I I think for me, it's like, it's too hard to say because I think I would have had an easier, like an easier way to tell when in 2021, because in 2021, I published Castles, but I also published like a whole series of like little one shots, well, little, all between like 3000 and 10,000 words which were just like, you know, there was the Fleur one, yeah. there was another one in Spooks, there was a couple of, uh, like, Harry and Ginny ones. And so, you know, like, I think those are easily comparable because they're the same kind of stories, they're the same length. Whereas this year was very different because I only published really, like, three stories. Mm-hmm. As I said, forty like, 49,000 of the words that I wrote were for castles, and that's, like, really hard to compare to anything because it's a long work. I've been working on it for two years. You know, it's it's completely... It's its own thing. But then the two other one-shots that I wrote were mm-hmm. Vicious as Roman Rule and The Fault in Fault Manufacturing. And Vicious as Roman Rule is, like, something that I wrote in one evening, and it's a thousand words long. <laughs> And then, and then the fault and fault manufacturing to, like took me like nine months mm-hmm. to finish, and was uh, incredibly labor intensive and meant a lot to me uh, personally. So it's really, it's it's really hard to tell, you know, which one I like, uh, which one I like best. Like, it's a really hard question to answer. I want to say, I think, I think I will say the fault and fault manufacturing just because of how much it means to me. I think it's a story that's like very personal and it symbolized a time of my life and and my relationship to Ireland. And I think Mm -hmm. it's my love letter to Ireland. But I think it's also, it's also like all the issues I have with this country. It's kind of like, it's a love letter, but it's also, it's also a lot of what I didn't like and and a lot of like pandemic um, thoughts on Ireland as well and all jumbled together and kind of like coming out of this thing of like, no, I really like this country and I really like the people Mm -hmm. in it. And so, yeah, I think it's a very, it's a very personal story. And I, and I think that Mm -hmm. would be my favorite, but again, it feels, it feels a bit like my favorite by default as well, because I don't really have anything else to compare it to. So yeah. I, I, here's, here's what I want to ask based on something you said. So you mentioned it's kind of a pandemic thick because it came out of like, thoughts you had during the pandemic yeah and i'm wondering like i've also have stories that i would refer to as pandemic fix because they were written either during that time or based on ideas that i had during that time and Mm -hmm. like i can identify them in my work as like they feel like pandemic fix and then i have other stories that are not and it feels like looking back like a lot of us will be like that is like a genre of fan fiction is like we're gonna look back and be like that that one's a pandemic (laughs) thing because like i look at some of my stories and it's like this story came out of time of really not engaging with the wider world all that much or going far beyond my walkable neighborhood whereas like these stories were written in a time when i was like socially interacting with many different people and engaging with the world a lot more and I'm just wondering, like, now as we're getting sort of two years out of the pandemic, do you feel like your writing is transitioning back to non-pandemic writing? Or do you think you've been permanently, you're kind of everything you write post-pandemic is pandemic writing? Huh, what a question. I don't know. I think my writing definitely changed during the pandemic, I think I had, I uh, just like everybody else, I think I had thoughts that we didn't used to have, you know? <laughs> um, but mm-hmm. in a certain way, I'm still writing my pandemic fic. Like, my pandemic fic is Castles. Like, that was my pandemic project. Like, the reason why Castles exists mm-hmm. is because of the pandemic, because I went back to read the Potter books at the beginning of the first lockdown. And... I was like, I need to write this fic. I need to write this fic that I've had in my head for 17 years or however long it's been. (laughs) Maybe not that long, but however long it's been since the last Potter book came Mm -hmm. out and I need to write it. So Castles is very much my pandemic fic and I think it's still... So I'm kind of still within that. Um, I think, to be honest, I think The Fault... The Fault and Fault Manufacturing is a pandemic fic in the way that... So in the in the Fulton Foot Manufacturing, if you're not familiar with the story, there's a whole story about like this secret village, right? That's like kind of 
gated away from the rest of community and they don't interact with anybody and stuff. And a lot of people in my comment section were like, this is very cultish. Like it makes me think of like these cults and like these religious cults in in particular. And I was like, I completely get Mm -hmm. you. And I think that's like a very fair comparison to Mm -hmm. make, but that wasn't what I intended for it to be. I think for me, the village, and the reason why I say it's a pandemic fic is that the village to me is just like the rest of the fic is about Ireland. The village is about Ireland as well, because Ireland was one of the countries, was the country in Europe that was the most restrictive in terms of pandemic barriers. We had the longest lockdown in Europe. We had hotel quarantine, including for European citizens, which was nowhere else to be found. And there was a lot of like anti-foreigner sentiment about like, oh, people from the outside will bring in the virus. And there was a lot of that, which was very odd because I had never experienced that in Ireland before. Like I, it was, it was something very new to me because generally speaking, Irish people are very welcoming and very open and very warm. And, and I had never experienced that before. And then during the pandemic, everything was so much more closed off than anywhere else in Europe. And I think, you know, that was, that was something I wanted to write about because it was, it was something that affected me very much as a, as some, as an immigrant. And yeah, it was something that I wanted to write about. And so the reason why I say the pan, like the fault is a pandemic story is that a lot of my feelings went into that sort of metaphor of the village and this kind of village that's closed off, but we're safe. We're inside, we're closed off, we're behind closed doors, but we're safe. And that was very much like the general mm-hmm. Irish attitude. And and that was something that I wanted to write about because it was something that affected me a lot. And so I think that's why, but I can't really say that any of my writing is like very pandemic e beyond that it's more that like that was a thing and that was the thing I wrote about and and I think but of course I think generally speaking the pandemic affected my writing like it affected everything else but I don't know that like I can point to something going back to normal or changing or whatever I think it's just like to me it's just one big continuum for me I think that some of my writing definitely feels like this is a pandemic thing and this isn't and I think the main difference is that pandemic fix grow out of very much thoughts I had spending a lot of time at home or like taking walks in my neighborhood because I was sort of separated from the rest of the world. Whereas my other stories are more like interacting with the outside world and like have their genesis there. So for example, like Storge mm-hmm. is very much not a pandemic fic. It really came about because I was in a specific place which was the opposite of being at home and like doing a lot of things that even a few years ago felt like it would be impossible to ever do again. You know, like I was thinking, mm-hmm. oh, no, no one will ever go on a cruise again. No one will ever get to do this again. And then it felt really amazing getting to do those things and, and being appreciative of them in a way that I think before the pandemic, I never would have been able to appreciate stuff like that. Whereas like the scene between is 100% a pandemic thing mm-hmm. and so much of it is coming out of the feelings I had taking really long sort of aimless walks during those days when at that time I was unemployed I couldn't go out everything was sort of up in the air about like it was hard to be hired because nobody knew what kind of staff they would need it was summertime our lockdowns in Toronto were very severe and very long lasting and other emotions I had about like feeling like I was too old to be living at home anymore mm-hmm. and like like I didn't fit into that space that was supposed to be my home and that loneliness that I think is also part of the pandemic. And so like when I look back on that fic, I'm like, this is pandemic writing. And then, you know, some of my stories and like that was a story that I did very little research for. Like I did a little bit for some of the specific cultural references, but for the most part, I just wrote it like I didn't need to do a ton of research Whereas some of my other stories, like I've had to do a lot of research to understand anything about where they're set. And so that's, there's a lot more like interacting with the outside world and the world outside of my personal experiences in order to make those things possible. So like Merry Men is an example where like, I couldn't just like sit down and write that story. Like I had to do a lot, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of reading. Like I'm still doing more reading to be able to like conjure up that world. 
And so for that reason, it's very much like not a pandemic fic. It's very much engaging with the outside world. And rather than being alone all the time, which is kind of the situation in the scene between, these characters, like, it's the opposite. Like, they have no privacy. They're always around other people. They're always having to negotiate, like, interpersonal issues. So it's it's really, to me, like, it, it feels like there's a difference. Right. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I don't, I, as I said, I don't, I don't feel that, but I completely, I completely get you. Um, I think that's, I think that makes sense. So moving on, I wanted, so I asked on Tumblr if people had questions. Uh, I based it off one of those like year end kind of ask things that we saw on Tumblr recently. And so we had a couple. So um, someone with a very long username, but I'm just going to call you Tofuti for now. Uh, <laughs> so they asked uh, one thing. What was one thing that you learned this year? Yeah, so there's basically two things that I wanted to share about what I've learned from the community this year. Number one, if a fan community is getting toxic and it's Mm -hmm. not fun anymore, just leave, period. Okay, you can find another community that's better. So don't don't argue it, don't negotiate it, don't try to get people to change, just leave. Um, The second thing that I learned is that if you're really, really struggling to finish a scene and it's giving you absolute hell on earth and you just can't, you might need to back up in order to go forward and you might have to delete a lot in order to get to a point where you can move forward. And like, it's painful to delete, but sometimes you have to do it if you don't want to be stuck forever. And the last thing I learned came from uh, Strunk and White. Um, and it basically, this is such a simple rule, but like, honestly, everybody needs to try it. If you're writing a sentence where you have one word in it, that's a very powerful good vocabulary word rearrange your sentence so that word is the last one in a sentence hmm. try it you'll see it works interesting yeah i um i would say what I, one thing i learned this year is i'm still not super good at it but i think i've gotten better at like dealing with the sort of expectations and attention that comes with castles i think in 2021 castles gained a lot of readership very quickly and i was kind of panicked <laughs> It's like, I don't know what to do and I don't, I don't feel like I can fulfill people's expectations for this story. Um, and I think, I think I've definitely overcome that now and I'm, I'm much better at like dealing with even like negative feedback or everything. Um, I know that, you know, it is, um, it is something that comes with the territory and just like, just the amount of uh, people who are reading that fic. Uh, I think I was a bit scared of it at the start and I am still, I, I still am. And obviously, like, this is me being dramatic because it is nowhere near one of the most popular things in the Potter fandom. But I think, uh, to a certain extent, I was a bit terrified uh, of the Potter fandom in general. And I think now I'm kind of, I, I've kind of gotten into a groove with, you know, the attention, the comments, the feedback and all of that stuff. So I think, I think that was something that I learned this year. Um Another question that they uh, that this person asks is, uh, what was your favorite character to write about this year? Uh, for me, I liked writing young, like child age Alexander the Great because um, he's just so he's such a bizarre person and so like drastically entitled, like a level of entitlement that simply doesn't exist in the modern world. But then also quite sweet. And absolutely brilliant. So, the kid version of Alexander. Interesting. Um, yeah, for me, I said probably Seamus, uh, probably Seamus Finnegan, uh, just because it was fun to build his character off of like the 20 mentions in the book that he's got, which is not a lot. Uh, and I think it was, it was just a, it was just fun to be in someone's head that wasn't Harry because I spent so much time writing castles and I think it was just great to kind of see something else and to write something else and to build someone who is almost an original character, but not really. And, and I really enjoyed that. Um, I think in terms of side characters, mm-hmm. I, very much enjoyed uh, writing Seamus's sister, Aoife. I think she's so fun to write. Uh, like, I, I always like writing um, characters that have a bit of a, like a wilderness to them and some and sort of a wild side and like you never know really what they're going to do, what they're what you can expect. And Aoife is definitely like that. And she's also incredibly dedicated and, and I really like her and I really liked writing her and building her out. Um, mm-hmm. And I think... 
also in a very similar way I really enjoyed writing uh, Sinead who is their mother in uh, so she's Mrs. Finnegan in the Fulton Fulton Manufacturing and Kingsley in Castles for reasons where I think they're both morally complicated and they're both very great characters and they have Mm -hmm. they both kind of struggle with um with good good and bad and right and wrong and and they're both characters where you can't really tell you know you come out of the fic and you can't really tell if they were good or bad and and they're very gray and i and i really like that and i like writing kingsley kingsley is like he's a good person and he has good intentions but he's also a politician and you know he needs to make compromises and and i kind of like writing that and i like writing that kind of weird weird dynamic and and kind of grayish space i really like i really like the grayish space i think mm-hmm. and i would say like i think it's interesting that you brings up kingsley and how he's kind of trying to do the right thing but also being political and how he's sort of He's always a bit torn by that because mm-hmm. he's negotiating these various competing needs. And that's interesting because I've also been writing Kingsley um, in a different sort of universe. And yet I'm trying to keep him consistent to that basic idea of somebody in a position of leadership who has responsibilities that are sometimes at odds with what he believes are moral or right. And and I've also really enjoyed writing him. Yeah, I think he's just, he's a fascinating character. He's yeah. just a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> he's a great guy. There's not enough of him in the original uh, books. Like, yeah, we needed more. He's a great guy. And so we got two other questions, uh, which were asked by Yves Santive. The first one of those is, what was your favorite line or scene that you wrote this year? Um, I chose favorite line because I'm a sentence person. And I was really strict with myself that it had to be one sentence, not a paragraph. So this, I promise, is one sentence. And it comes from Merriman. The grid imprinted into his back like an Agnes Martin made flesh, or else the serrated steel of a construction site's walkway, and in the moment he imagined what it might be like to make love on the cloud-misting top floor of a skyscraper under construction, like would it be cold and wet, or else something fantastical as walking up a ladder of rain. I like it. I like it. It's it's beautiful. I really like it. And I like, and I like that you held yourself up to like one sentence (laughs) yeah i was i i came up with three from different fics and i was like that's my favorite that's the only one i'm sharing wow i love that i really like that um okay i think i'm gonna go with favorite scene because i'm not a line person and i'm not a sentence person um so i think my favorite scene was um so for anyone who reads castles the sort of Harry Malfoy conversation at the end of chapter 13. I think the reason for that is that it, it's one of those scenes that I've had in my head for so long. And it was, as I was saying at the top of the show, I'm not allowed to write something until it's time to write it. And so it's one of those scenes that I had had in my head for so long. And that, you know, it, it, it is pretty, it is a pretty big, um, reveal in terms of like some sort of, some information that has been held out for a long time. And it was just like, it was just such relief to finally be able to write it, finally be able to like, get it out, have people read it and, and, you know, be able to get that information out that I had known for months and months and months, but that obviously, you know, I couldn't really reveal Mm -hmm. because of uh, spoilers. And Mm -hmm. I think, um, it's also a scene that, you know, turned out, it's one of those where it turned out exactly on paper, the way it was in my head. (laughs) <laughs> which which really doesn't happen much as far as I'm concerned but it just it it was such a I think I had thought about it for so long that when when I finally wrote it it just came pouring out and it was it was just that scene and I think and I think it raises a lot of interesting questions as well in terms of the wizarding world and the heritage and of the war and and whether or not you know it's societal biases or individual responsibilities that make um certain situations happen and i think uh that's mm-hmm. a very very interesting uh thing to thing to explore and i just i really really enjoyed uh writing that one 
So I'd like to ask you, what was your best comment or review that you got from somebody else? And we're going to restrict it to from this year, because as we've discussed before, my favorite comment of all time was not from this year. But we'll say 2022 only. So hi, everyone. Uh, This is Joe from the future again. I decided to re-record my response to this question because, as you will understand, you will probably understand why later, but it was a bit of a mess. Um, I was kind of half crying, half nervously laughing, and I don't think either of those are appropriate, um, considering the seriousness of this question. Basically, first of all, the question was uh, sent to us by Eve Santiv as well, which uh, thank you so much for sending that. So the comment that I picked is actually an ask that I got on Tumblr over the summer following a post that I made, which was actually another question that I received from another reader, which was what was the most controversial thing you have ever written? And I said, chapter eight of Castles. Um, for anyone who has read Castles, you will automatically understand why. For anyone who hasn't read Castles, I don't want to get too deep into the topic. But um, that chapter deals very heavily with sexual assault and specifically sexual assault that is described as having happened during Deathly Hallows to Jenny. And for reasons which I have spoken about before, and I will link a post that I made at the time in the show notes uh, to kind of explain that decision. But I decided to write it in a way that was a little bit ambiguous and at least, you know, that asked questions about consent and what is consent. And specifically from Ginny's perspective, she has a lot of conflicts, internal conflict about whether or not she caused this, whether or not that was her fault because of things that she did, decisions that she made. And, okay, I'm not crying again. Uh, (laughs) um, And I, so I, I wrote that post when that person asked the question, you know, what was the most controversial thing you've ever written? And I was like, this was, and I kind of explained why very quickly and sort of moved on. Until a couple days later, I got the following message on Tumblr, which was from someone who chose to remain anonymous and who um, I'm basically re- reading the verbatim. I will link my the ask in the show notes as well. I'm reading the verbatim, but I'm just correcting some of the English mistakes that they made because this person said that English was not their first language. Um, so... The ask reads, Hi, how are you? It's not an ask, but I just read about the controversy of chapter eight in one of your posts. I just wanted to say I relate very much with your Ginny, sadly for the bad reasons, and I'm just grateful of the way you're writing this story. I felt that guilt, and for a very long time, I thought it was my fault. In your fic, I found a little comfort. I know that I'm not alone, But I think it's important to talk about that, even when the act is not per se violent. Sorry for my English. Hope it's not too bad. I I cannot possibly explain the the feelings I get when I read this. Um, It's (laughs) it's the reason why I write. to obviously to connect with people I mean the idea that not only someone would you know relate to my fic like that but also would feel comfort from my fic having experienced that is unbelievable I am so grateful and at the same time so upset (laughs) (laughs) that this happens in the world and that we need to talk about it and that I need to write about it. And I'm so sorry if you're listening to this. I'm so sorry that this happened. And I am so honoured and humbled and grateful and everything, basically, (laughs) that you're finding comfort 
in what I write. Um, I wish I never got comments like these, but I do get them. This is not the first one. And I can't say they are always my favorite comments because obviously this is very bittersweet. Um, but the idea that my fic could help someone in that position is incredible. And if you're listening to this, first of all, thank you so much. Secondly, I'm so sorry that this happened. And thirdly, you're not alone, um, both in your experience, sadly, but also in the world. There are hundreds of people who care and who want to make this world a better place. And I think we will. I think we will. I think we will at some point. Okay, uh, now I will go back to the episode and to our original recording, during which uh, Lani and I kind of discuss this and discuss uh, her favorite comment as well. Um, well, I would have to say, like, mine doesn't maybe live up to that in terms of in terms of its importance, but I think that I, I received a comment on Merry Men, and I think the, the comments on that story mean more to me just by default of, like, it's a very long story, it's a hard story, and I'm putting a lot of my, my time and effort into making it as, like, authentic as I can make it. And I received a comment that just said... Um, have read both chapters now, and this story is really just so great. Thank you. Your writing is excellent. Somehow your style just manages to evoke the atmosphere of the war so well. The grittiness and mundane, mind-numbing sort of misery. And oh my gosh, I cannot imagine the research put into this. I definitely needed that glossary. And then she goes on to describe her favorite line, um, and it's by Tata for now. And I think this was really meaningful for me because I think it's just kind of appreciation of what went into this work and also because I think she recognizes that I'm not trying to portray war as something that's like fun and sexy it's something that's just like even the days that are not that bad or miserable even even when there's no even a day with no combat is still miserable like every every little thing in it is miserable and um I I, I like I like that that person can appreciate that like I put the time into this I like that they bothered to read the glossary to understand the terms. Um, and I guess just that meant a lot to me that somebody was willing to invest their time and thought because it's maybe less of a casual read than a lot of other stories. And so it was meaningful to me that, that somebody was willing to put that time in. Yeah. No, it's a lovely comment. And I think, I, I do think there's like, there's something in common with both of these things, which is that it's recognition of the work that you've put in. It's recognition in different ways. Like for you, it's this person saying, you know, like you, you've put so much effort in this world and, you know, you've built, you've built the wall and you've, you've built it, as you said, without romanticizing it and, and all of that. And I think, you know, it's, that's what matters. It's recognition for me. And like my comment is about recognition as well. It's about, it's a different kind of recognition, obviously, but it's like, no, this, you were right to write this. Like you were, you were right to write this and you, you, you did it well. Especially because there's so many voices in your head saying, you don't know how to tell this story. This story is not worth being told. Mm -hmm. You're not the right person for it. This is stupid. You know, like there's always yeah. those voices in your head telling you like you're wasting your time. Nobody's going to read this. Nobody likes it. And that sort of thing. So I think it kind of it's it's really useful to hear stuff like that yeah so uh so yeah if you're a commenter regular commenter of anything not only ours but uh anything thank you very much because those comments mean the world to writers and uh and yeah and you might one day find yourself the most memorable comment <laughs> someone left so uh so yeah thank you so much um so lani what are your plans your writing plans for next year um i'm always a little bit like chaotic about that because <laughs> I don't know how much time I'll have or what sort of things I'll go through but I would like fix the disaster that is check the spindle right now 
I would like to deal with that chaotic disaster. I promise there is a story in my mind and an end reveal. Like, I know what the central mystery is. Like, that's not the problem. The problem is it just gives me emotional whiplash to go from writing Merriman to check the spindle. And there's so many worlds apart, these two stories. So many universes apart in perspective. Even though they're set within one year of each other in the 60s. <laughs> there's so many worlds apart that it's just really hard to write from the point of view of like an innocent little girl who collects like velvety horse stickers and then go to writing writing these like a hardened like emotionally damaged soldiers that it's 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 rough to go between those two things and i'm still kind of trying to figure out a way to be both people and i'd also like to finish some of the original fiction short stories that i started this year that's great those are great plans i i I wrote down in the doc dare i say it finish castles four exclamation marks which I think like is very telling of my state of mind. Uh, no, I would I would love to finish Castles. I don't know that I will, but I will have so by the end of this year I will have like probably six chapters left and I would like I would like to finish it. I really, really would like to finish it. And part of it is that, you know, this project has been ongoing for so long and I it's not that I don't like it anymore, because I really do. Um, but it's just, you know, I want to, I want to finish it. I feel like I've earned it now where it's like, I want to, I want to put an end to Mm -hmm. it and I want to put like the end to it that I think the story deserves. So, so yeah, I would like, I would like to finish Castles. I think it's within the realm of possibility, but I don't know. There's something about finishing a story that feels like finally euthanizing it and, and ending, (laughs) ending the pain. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and it's like, I think I've spoken about it on the podcast before, but I, every time I, when I finish a story, and this is true for one shots as well, when I actually finish a story, I don't look at it ever again. Like, it's like when it's finished, it's finished. Right now, I'm still, you know, working on it and stuff. But in my head, when it's finished, it's finished, and it's not mine anymore. It's the readers, and I can't. Do you really never reread any of your own work? Not never, but. Very rarely. That's interesting. Because, like, I write mainly for me and for the story that I wish I could read and that doesn't exist. So, like, <laughs> I do reread my own work because, like, that was what it was for in the first place. No, I think that's very fair. Um, I don't. I, I, I very rarely do unless... Unless there's a reason for it. So, like, if I'm being asked, for instance, like, I remember I reread uh, The Wolf's Just a Puppy a few months ago because I got a Tumblr ask about it and I couldn't remember, like, what I what I had written or whatever, so I went back and read it. Or, you know, I'm thinking maybe in the beginning of the year I might get the sort of Aoife side of the Fulton Foot Manufacturing written. And for that, I will need to reread The Fulton Foot Manufacturing because there's a lot of stuff that I forgot. But uh, but generally no. Generally, I once it's finished, it's finished, and it's not mine anymore. It's the readers, and it's for them to read and interpret and and do whatever they want with. I don't know. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um. So going on to other people's fix, what are some uh, of your favorite fix that you've read? I kind of split mm-hmm. this section into what was HP and non HP because I feel like we've both kind of like have. HB fandom and non HB, so I was wondering. So, first of yeah. all, Harry Potter was your favorite fic? Uh, yeah, so I read Seven Simple Machines by Fluorescent Gray, mm-hmm. um, which is like an AU that turns out not to be an AU. When you first start reading it, you're like, okay, this is a story that's set in the 90s, not in the 1960s in the US, and it's an AU. Wrong. But anyway, you'll figure it out. It's almost like an episode of Black Mirror, but also better. Hmm. Just just read it. Just read it. Just have faith and trust the process. Yeah, but it's Marauders stuff. I'm always like, oh, I'm not I'm not really into that. Yeah, but it's also like transcendent. Like I don't know how to tell you this. Okay. But like it's transcendent. <laughs> okay, I think um for me it was really hard to decide and I decided this a few weeks ago when I was when I was writing uh when I was doing the podcast doc, so uh, but I'll, I'm just going to go with it. Um it was 35 Owls by Letter Blade, um, which is a fic. So it's interesting. It's a Dumbledore Grindelwald fic. And it's basically this like exchange of letters that they had whilst uh, Grindelwald was in prison. Mm-hmm. And I just, it's very well written. The characterization is great. The, 
the letter writing and like the different you know it's very it's always very difficult to get like different people's voices in letters and stuff and I find that this author does it incredibly well and it was weird like it was one of those fics that I couldn't put down like I read it until like three in the morning Mm -hmm. and just could not put it down and I said yeah that that is why like I actually remember it and I that is why I said it was my favorite because I think it's one of those where I just I could not stop reading it and I really 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 enjoyed it and also not something that would typically read so I think um I think yeah that was uh that was great and it was a great find to be honest um and in terms of outside of uh Harry Potter what was your favorite read uh, my favorite was Roused His Drowsy Blood by Lanyon, which is a, a fic of the Iliad. And it's written with really beautiful prose, very elegant, really quite exquisite. And my other favorite was A Matter of Apples by Apollo Zandos. And that's Apollo underscore Zandos, X-A-N-D-O-S. And that is for Alexander the Great. And Apollo Zandos is a really great writer. He's extremely well-researched. He knows exactly what he's talking about. This is someone who has written, like, not in this particular story, but in his other story, like, original ancient battles where he clearly understands tactics and technology. But this story is really kind of an elegy. And it's I read it at least four times, and every time I read it, I cry at a different part. I, like literal tears come out of my face like actually this I can't this story makes me cry so badly yeah mine is in the Peaky Blinders fan- fandom and it's funny because it's a story that I read a while ago actually maybe a year or two or maybe more ago and then I kind of forgot about it and then I rediscovered it so I'm I'm uh, I'm adding it to here but it's called Clean Dresses Brass Tits and the Importance of a Good Hat Pin by Voodoo Child um it's a story that centers on Ada in Peaky Blinders and her relationship with Polly, which I think is something that like really isn't much explored in Peaky Blinders fanfic. And I just, I absolutely love mm-hmm. the style of this. I think the language in it really reflects the language of the show. And it's just a very moving story. Mm-hmm. And it's not that long. It's like maybe 2,000, 3,000 words. But I really, really... Uh, love that story and I also wanted to mention that there's a pod fic someone like basically reading it out uh, by originally and I really really love this reading because it's someone who has like that kind of Birmingham accent that is in the show and it's just the reading of the story makes it a million times better but the story itself is absolutely amazing and I, I would highly recommend it to anyone who uh, is into Peaky Blinders. And lastly, uh, we wanted to talk about the podcast. So first of all, as I said at the top of the show, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it is wild that we have people who listen. <laughs> Um, who listen to us. Um, I have counted the number of hours that I spend on editing mm-hmm. uh, since September, so not even in the since the beginning. And I think it was like, uh, as of the end of November, it was probably like 50 hours or something, which is which sounds like a lot, but it's a great passion project. And I feel like it's taught me to edit sound a little bit, which is a weird skill to have. <laughs> But, but I guess it is a skill that I now have. So thank you uh, so much for listening. Our, I, th- I thought it would be a bit fun to kind of go through our mm-hmm. stats a little bit. So our top five countries for listeners are the US, the UK, Ireland, although I think that is just me clicking and like testing the system. But if you are in Ireland and listening to this podcast, like, please let me know. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Turkey and Germany. So this is, it's just great to know. And it's, it's amazing that like people from all over the world are listening to us. I find, I find that like truly amazing and just we've just really enjoyed making this I wanted to talk a little bit about our stats as well in terms of so we do have like a gender and age breakdown uh, from Spotify which is which is as I was mentioning in the episode with Alibaguette is interesting because obviously like most of our audience is on the 
older side, uh, at least in our age bracket, which I think is great. Like we, we, we represent you, I guess. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think, uh, I think that was kind of funny. And obviously like 80% of our audience is female, which mm-hmm. are you surprised by that? <laughs> well, I think, I mean, realistically, our gender uh, stats reflect the real world. So 87% female, <laughs> 7% male, 5% non-binary, and 1% non-specified, which is basically representative of, like, if you took an average sampling of genders in the world, like, that's basically, that's that's how reproduction works. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's interesting, our male audience actually skews younger, so it skews towards the 18 mm-hmm. to 22 demographic. Whereas our female audience skews a little bit yeah. older. And one thing that I was funny that I thought was funny as well is on Spotify, because our obviously our podcast is distributed on Spotify, on Spotify they tell you what other artists uh, people who listen to the podcast are, are listening to. And with no surprise there, the top one is Taylor Swift. Yeah, that's literally <laughs> just me. That's just me alone <laughs> doing that. <laughs> so I'm not. Um, I'm not surprised. Um, I as as we know from Tumblr, I am not a Taylor Swift fan. Well, I, no. Okay, I like her as a person. I really, really like her as a person. I think she's a great person. And every time I see an interview of her, I think she's great. But I just I can't get behind her music. I just it doesn't speak to me. I don't know why. And yet you speak to her fans. Yeah, and yes, I <laughs> yeah. So, so the number of ask I've of Tumblr asks I've gotten over the years. It's like this chapter or this fic made me think of like this Taylor Swift song, and I'm like, I don't <laughs> listen to Taylor Swift. You know what? I, can you read out our read out our other bands? Yeah. So um, I think so. Okay. I think this is skewed by the fact that last week I released the Castles playlist on um for like my people who follow me on Tumblr, people who read Castles, there's the Castles playlist now. And a lot of these artists are in the Castles playlist. So yeah. I'm wondering if like that has influenced our top artist because this is weird. So our second uh, top artist is Florence and the Machine. That is me. Like I will say <laughs> that is me uh, listening to Florence and the Machine. The third one, and this is where I think Castles has influenced this. The third one is Eminem. Which yeah, that's got to be, that's got to be like yeah. your typical. Okay, our biggest demographic <laughs> is women 28 to 34. I will not be persuaded that the most popular artist in that general demographic is Eminem. <laughs> no, but I think it's like because they've been listening to the playlist and then they listen to spot to, to yeah. like our podcast episode, so it like just goes to Eminem. But yeah, so I I like Eminem, but I know that most people don't. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah, so this is Joe from the future. I confirm that this list was definitely influenced by the Castles playlist because now uh, Eminem is gone, sadly, from our top artists. Uh, I maintain my opinion that Eminem is one of the greatest writers of his generation, but that's a different story. Uh, but the new uh, person that we have on in his place is Hozier, uh, which... Yay, Ireland! Uh, no, I love Hozier. Uh, he's great. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, but more, more representative of our demographic, I think. Um, fourth is Lana Del Rey, and fifth is Mumford and Sons, which I think, you know, are great artists. I listen to a lot of Lana Del Rey, but my spot, my Spotify top five this year is the only one I think on that I share is Taylor Swift, and the rest of them are all like completely different artists. Right. I think my top, I think Eminem might be in my top, and then my very top was Lily Allen. But yeah. So anyway, we also wanted, lastly, to talk to you about our plans uh, for next year and our plans for the podcast. So the podcast is continuing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not giving up uh, yet. Um, so we're going to be going on a season break, uh, which is going to be until the 20th of January. So the 20th of December to the 20th of January. We'll come back in January uh, with an episode on outgrowing fans so I think that's going to be interesting to discuss mm-hmm. um, and then we're going to have uh, we're going to have a few guests as well I'm hoping I really love the guest episodes like that those are my favorite things to do and then I don't know mm-hmm. we're thinking we're, we're thinking about certain things like a discord server or even like monetization or things like that from the podcast uh, I think I've spoken about it on Tumblr a little bit 
but uh, we we just, we are thinking our plans, but we're not we don't have anything uh, written in stone yet. But yeah, we definitely would mm-hmm. like to do to continue doing the podcast and continue doing uh, guest episodes. I was wondering what was your like kind of favorite thing about the podcast or favorite thing to record. Um, even though I had to cut a ton of this because it went on way too long, I think I interviewed three sort of multimedia writers for a guest episode, mm-hmm. and. I think that was super fun because it was just so amazing to go from only knowing the story to finding out the real human being behind the story and like where all this stuff was coming from. So I found out that like the writer of a story who um, her interview has not been published yet, but it will be in the new year. Um, Her story really is kind of like a spoof of like academia and it turns out that, like, she went to grad school, so this, like, reflects her life. Another writer, like, a lot of her story is set in Grenada in Spain, and then it turns out, of course, that she's traveled there, and that, like, a fictional cat in the story is based on yeah. a real cat that she knew. So I just, I really loved finding <laughs> out, like, who the person behind the story is and, like, where these things were coming from. Yeah, I agree. I I, I, I mean, I love recording th- these episodes with you, don't get me wrong, but I think uh, recording the episodes with uh, guests is just so fun, so much fun, because you get to talk to, like, someone whose story or whose work you admire and and get to know them a little bit and get to know who the person is behind the you know behind the story that you like i really loved uh, my episode with al Bagat. i loved recording my uh the episode with tess because she's just such a good friend and we've been friends for like ages so uh it was great to do that as well and yeah like i was just i i really really enjoy these uh so we're, we're definitely planning to do more in in the future um I think we're going to wrap up. So do you have any recommendations for us? I would say, firstly, if there's stuff you're interested in hearing about, you need to submit an ask on Tumblr because even though we're, we're going on a season break, like we're always open to yes. receiving asks and uh, you can DM us as well. Like if, or you can say that you don't want your ask to be published, but like anything you're thinking of, if you have issues with some of the episodes, if you have suggestions of how to move forward with monetization or whatever, you can always submit an ask. In terms of recommendations, I would say instead of recommending something to read, I would say that I recommend trying to set a minimum amount of words that you write per day, which is very achievable and low, but then really holding yourself to it. Because I told myself, like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I can't write today. But then I think, you can't write one sentence, really, really at your age, you can't write one sentence. And then I sit down and I'm like, okay, I only have to write one sentence. But of course, once you write one sentence, you write two (laughs) sentences, and so forth. So I would say, just try to write one sentence a day if you are trying to write something. Yeah, that's a that's great advice I will not take. uh, Because if I write a sentence a day, I will never sleep. (laughs) (laughs) I will never stop writing and then I will never and then I will never sleep. Um I don't really have any recommendations to be honest. Um but just to just for you guys to enjoy your Christmas or holiday break, uh whatever you're doing, and take it slow and don't pressure yourself too much to write, but also like enjoy any time that you have to spend with your family, with your books, with your friends, with anyone, uh, or just by yourself. If you if it's quiet time by yourself this is golden as well. So, um, so yeah. Okay, one more thing. One more thing I got to say. Patronize your public library, please. Okay? Even if you don't finish reading books from there, the more you patronize libraries, the more they get funded. So, please do that. Yeah. They strongly pressure you to do that. That is very true, especially in certain regions of the world where books are being banned now and stuff. Like, I think libraries are very important. Um, so yeah so Lani where can we find you online I remain at copper underscore dust on AO3 and copper dash dust or potentially underscore on Tumblr Uh, I think it works either way yeah Um, and I'm Pebbly Send on Tumblr and AO3 and you can find the podcast if you have again any ask or recommendations or anything uh, at thefanficwriterscraft.tumblr.com Bye, everyone. Have a good, happy new year. Bye.